3: My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'd be one to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at one 743 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let me give you the scene. Today we saw a headline that Alphabet, the parent company of Google, might pause hiring for a couple of weeks, and it immediately bruised the average, although it didn't do as much damage as a similar story about Apple on Monday. <laughs> Stocks only recovered. Dow gained 48 points. S&P jumping 0.59%. Nasdaq poll voting 1.58%. I am so glad about one thing. I am glad that this reaction was much less hysterical this time. But you know what? It is still ridiculous that anyone is freaking out over these stories still. These stories about a hiring slowdown as unfortunate as they are. Think about it. If you're a CEO and if you watch an hour of programming on this network, you're going to hear some commentators say that the Federal Reserve is trying to cause a recession. I mean, that's what they keep saying, but they keep saying what they keep saying. No. They know nothing. Not Every night I tell you to expect a Fed mandated slowdown because that's the only way for j Powell, Fed chief, to get inflation under control. Notice I said slowdown, though. Right, if you're an executive with even, say, a half a brain, how would you react to that narrative? Are you really going to double down on hiring? Are you going to say, hey, you know what? This is the time when we should really bulk up on good employees because that's prudent. No way you wouldn't do that. It's not prudent. It's just plain stupid. Anyone who runs a giant company will look at the current environment and try to do more with less. Because when the Fed tightens your clients, the people who you really report to other than your shareholders and your stakeholders, but your clients will likely spend less than they would otherwise, no matter who. That's what they'll do. When you hear Fed-mandated slowdown, it means less hiring and more layoffs. Now, I know some people will make the kind of argument that I used to make before I sold Bar San Miguel to my manager. I always said, hey, listen, if we only get a good return on our investment on Google Maps— We should cut all the other advertising out and just throw the money at Google. There will be people who make that same choice. It's definitely the superior way to advertise. But that's not enough to offset the damage from a Fed-mandated slowdown. In the end, the advertising business is indeed hostage to the broader economy. Always has been, always will be. Even if Google's better than the rest, this is what I call a suboptimal environment for them. How about Apple? All right, well, Apple's products are expensive, all right, which means they have economic sensitivity. So should Apple just presume that more people will buy phones when they get laid off? I think they're wise to hire less aggressively. Hey, how about Meta Platforms, the artist formerly known as Facebook? I paid $300 for an Oculus Quest to get into the Metaverse because I really liked what it was like when I was in there with Mark. But let's be honest, if you're working in the flagging housing market or a mall-based retailer or an automaker like Ford which just today decided to lay off 8,000 people in its internal combustion unit, You're probably not reaching into your wallet to buy a $300 virtual reality system. You're going to wait. Oh, by the way, and Mark Zuckerberg, not an idiot. He's not going to keep hiring people aggressively if there's nothing for them to do. I bet he did so much hiring in the last six months that he can do well just waiting to see who's good and who isn't. Now, maybe you're thinking these are just more mature companies in this environment. And if you want mature companies, well, why not just go buy Clorox and Coca-Cola? Classic recession-proof names. But Clorox sells at 36 times earnings, making it even more expensive than Alphabet. It's just over 20 times earnings. Facebook at 16 times. Coca-Cola stock trades at the exact same multiple as Apple's. You aren't exactly paying up if you buy these big tech names here. That's why they're so intriguing. That's why Micron was intriguing when it was in 53 and it went up 10 points. Lower prices get intriguing to me. So let's talk about what is really going on here. For the most part, corporate America always trying to do more with less. Hey, you know, I like the stock of Bank of America. And one of the reasons I do is because it's clo- I'm not heartless. I'm telling you that right ahead of it. But it's closing, bran- <laughs> it's closing branches and getting a better return on its investments in the remaining people and technology it buys. If that kind of story makes us want to buy Bank of America, why the heck should the same thing make you want to sell Google? That's absurd. Do we want Apple to make excess inventory to please Wall Street? Believe me, Wall Street won't be pleased when it sees the numbers. I'd much rather Apple recognize that we're going into a worldwide slowdown where it makes sense for them to be judicious about what they spend their money on. Look, this is a different time for America and it's a different time for Apple and Alphabet and Meta The last time we had a recession, they were much smaller, much less hostage to the broader economy. These days, they are indeed more cyclical, meaning they need a better economy to thrive. That's why it makes sense for them to hire fewer people. This cyclicality would be a real problem if their stocks were expensive versus the broader market or even versus their own historic valuations. But right now, they're actually quite cheap. Now, maybe you don't want to run the risk of owning a stock that can go down hard on an obvious headline about hiring. Well, you know what? You got my blessing to park your money in something more defensive. That said, the defensive stocks simply aren't bargains here. Neither the drug stocks nor the packaged goods stocks are cheap. They've also got all sorts of risks from supply chain woes to government intervention that can cause quick declines. So what is the solution? Fair question. I'm going to offer you a menu. First, you could sell and go into two year treasuries and make more than three percent, much less than inflation, but risk free. Second, you can build a dividend portfolio that's very defensive, but it won't be that safe if the Fed just keeps ratcheting higher. Third, you can trade in and out, you know, be one of those banshees <laughs> 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 in the futile hope of dodging the occasional bad headline, probably losing money while you do it. Or four, you can take long-term positions in what you like, or simply buy a very good index fund in terms of the low cost and hold it. That's been the best form of investing. It's one that historically handily beats inflation, beats the averages. I know when this show started 17 years ago, people thought it was a day trading proposition. In Canada, we did suggest a lot more trades early on, in part because that's what viewers demanded. But these days, I think it's much more useful to focus on long term investing, especially in this kind of market, with the choice being among different asset classes, as well as personal concerns that you may want to vote on. Something we will hear about later when we talk to Larry Fink, who runs BlackRock, happens to be the world's largest asset manager. Here's what you have to ask yourself. Do you want CEOs to be clueless about what we all know is happening? When mortgage applications are down use, when cancellations for home purchases are spiking, do we want home builders to go full blast? Do we want retailers with tons of superfluous inventory doubling down on clerks? Do we want software as a service companies to pay up and steal talent from other tech outfits, paying top dollar for each one that they pilfer? Personally, I want to bet on executives who can acknowledge reality. And right now, the reality is the companies with economic sensitivity need to be judicious in their hiring. Because the Fed's lowering the boom on us, so stop freaking out! I think the Fed can steer us in for a soft landing, but so what? I don't run a giant advertising company like Alphabet or a company like Apple that sells millions of dollars and billions of dollars in uh, different goods and services. The bottom line, if you want to invest with profitable companies, be my guest. I want to invest in well-run companies like a Google, like an Apple, like a Meta with very smart CEOs. That means buying the stocks of those companies that think twice about continuing to hire in this environment because they don't want to bet the house on Jay Powell. As much as I like the guy, David in Florida David. Booyah, Kramer and congrats on the new studio. Thank you, man. It's a pretty good-looking thing. Oh, don't ever put your back to it. Is what they say, okay? What's going on? I'm- um I'm looking at Crown Castle I'm wondering if it's a good time to buy into the stock. White Castle? Um Crown Castle, sorry. Sand Crown- oh, Castle. Crown Oh Crown Castle. I was going to say I had a White Castle the other day. It's not as bad as you think, but Crown Castle, no. And the reason why we can't be in Crown Castle is when rates go higher, people sell Crown Castle. And not only that, there has been churn in Crown Castle. So I like Sand Castle more and I like White Castle more than I like Crown Castle. That's two out of three castles. Let's go to Carter in Illinois. Carter. Booyah, Mr. Kramer. How are you? Booyah. I am good. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. Jim, Excellent. I'd like to congratulate you on your new studio. And I just
4: wanted to say thank you for fueling my interest in business and finances. I'm beginning college.
3: Yes, that's what I want when younger people in to do sensible things. Now, I know some of my colleagues. I have this guy, Ben Stoto. He is my research director. And we go back and forth about the idea. He, You know, sometimes he says we should put everything into GameStop or maybe everything in AMC. And then I throw a bottle at him. OK, what's up? All right.
4: I I totally agree with you. I like sticking to the safe route. But uh, after reporting strong earnings and increasing its dividend, I'm wondering what your long term opinion is on FedEx.
3: Okay, I am so glad you asked me. And by the way, I was joking about about Ben Ben Stoner. He really likes Dogecoin. FedEx, I think, has got a unique opportunity with the new CEO. I thought Fred Smith did a terrific job. I am such a believer in FedEx that I have to think that you need to buy it right now tomorrow morning. That's how much I like it. You know what? Let's speak to Rick in Illinois. Rick.
5: Hey
3: Jim, second time long time. Second and time long club time member. And club member. Yes. Yeah. Hey, uh not too long ago you did a segment on Metaverse stocks. Yes. Of course
5: it was it was Meta, Microsoft and
4: Unity Software. I have a position in Unity, and they
3: just bought another company called right. Source. Okay, but here's you- the problem. The ones you've mentioned, the one you mentioned last is the one that doesn't make any money. And we are deeply focused on companies that make money, especially companies like Meta, like a company like a Microsoft, but Unity is too speculative for me, okay? I don't want to do that kind of speculation. And once again, I apologize. I'm making fun of my research director. He's the best there is there. I feel better, even though he he favors the Washington, uh, the commandos, something like that. All right. Look, I want to invest in well-run companies that have very smart CEOs and think twice about continuing to hire crazily and stupidly in this environment. I'll make Money Tonight. BlackRock has its finger on the pulse of global markets. So we're going straight to the company's CEO in a two-part exclusive to discuss everything from the company's growth drivers to macro trends. Hey, then, from Mexico to Europe, there are a handful of headwinds facing Semper, one of the best-performing utilities in this world. So how is the company planning for the future? I'm going to get to the latest from the company's top brass. And is it time to retire the obsession with Netflix? I'll give you my take. So stay with me. Normally, in a Fed-band-aided slowdown, you want to circle the wagons around defensive stocks like utilities. But some of these utility stores are more complicated than others. Take Sempra, which operates in California and Texas, also has a natural gas pipeline business, including a liquefied natural gas export terminal in Louisiana. What's complicated here? Well, some of SEMPRA's pipeline's assets are in Mexico. Now the president of Mexico seems to nationalize the entire industry. Don't know if that's that can really happen, but we'll examine it. Meanwhile, California's got some new climate goals that could be difficult to meet. Energy grid in Texas is a disaster. That's why SEMPRA stock has pulled back from 172 at it's peak to uh, 152 today. I'm inclined, though, to stay positive. You're getting a 3 percent yield and you got a growth company. And that's what I want out of all equities. That's why I'm so thrilled to have Jeff Martin. He's the chairman and CEO of Sempra. You had a better sense of where his company's headed. Jeff, I got to tell you, I was so excited to have you on for the first week because you have what everyone wants. You've got growth. You have common sense. You're right in the middle of everything that's happening in the world with energy. You got a good yield and you have a vision. You're not just run trying to figure out how to stay ahead of the posse. You've got a real vision of where our country is and where you are. I want you to to tell people what your vision is. Well, I'll
4: tell you that we certainly think that the energy grid in the United States will be a big part of how we support America's future economy. And one of the things we talk a lot about at CEMPRA is the importance of innovation and new technology. And every chance we get, Jim, to give a level playing field to the American worker, it really pretends for a very positive future for our country. So we're very bullish on the United States. We have long said that the 21st century will be an American century, and it will be based upon the depth of our capital markets, our commitment to new technology and innovation and creating a level playing field for the American worker.
3: OK, so, Jeff, and I think I know you believe in all those things passionately, but at the same time, you must recognize that Europe doesn't share our values in many cases because of what Russia is doing to Ukraine. Europe's in big trouble. What can Semper do about that?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I would break it into short-term goals and long-term goals. Step number one is the 27 member states in the European Union have set some energy conservation goals starting on August 1st. Secondly, one of the things we're we're watching right now is the return of service of Nord Stream 1. Yes. Roughly one third of the gas that comes out of Russia is set to come back online later this week, which will be important. Will they do it? We think so, but it, it remains to be seen. There's obviously it's a fluid situation. I would also mention that it's important to track underground storage. They're currently at 60% full in Europe. They need to make sure they're at 90 or 95% by the time they get to November. And lastly, swing volumes. Australia is a big producer. The Qataris are a producer, the United States. Any excess volumes we have today going into the fall need to be allocated to Europe. I think the longer term situation is this is a market asking for new infrastructure. So here in the United States, we're the market leader today. In exporting LNG both to Asia and Europe, and we're going to basically more than double that capacity by the end of the decade. See,
3: so, look, I wanted you on in part because people don't understand. It's you. It's your company and what you're building out in Mexico. I mean, this these are the, the, the premier facilities that we're building, and they're yours. They're owned by Sempra. Yes. Now, Mexico would like, apparently, to get a little more politically involved with some of the things Semper does, and yet Semper one of the best allies of corp- No. You're the, you're the number one corporate ally of Mexico.
4: Well, I would tell you that I had the opportunity to go to breakfast with the president of Mexico last week in Washington. I think our view of the long-term economic opportunity in Mexico is intact. It's a little bit more opaque in the next 12 to 18 months. You may have read today that the United States has filed for consultation under yes. USMCA, and they were joined by Canada, concerned that the government is unfairly involved in the energy markets. And what I would look at it is say this. There's an intersection of opportunity right now where there's going to be a reshoring opportunity of industries from Asia back to North America. So this type of dialogue, where Canada, United States, and Mexico can align their interests, there's a big economic opportunity for this continent. And now is the right time for them to be well, having those expectations. sound like
3: that the president of Mexico will be a rational actor, which to me would mean continue to let SEMPRA help their country. I think that's our view. And I will tell you that what
4: we've tried to do is go in there and partner with their state-owned enterprises, over time, they've allocated more government revenues toward their social programs. They understand the importance of public-private partnerships and specifically, Jim, foreign direct investment. So, you know, we're trying to find a way where all of our investments down there raise the standard of living of Mexicans and they're around the priorities of the existing government. And so far, we've had a good working relationship with the government.
3: All right. Now you have uh, you have to worry about tremendous heat wave in, in Texas. You have to worry about frankly, some more, uh, let's say, liberal pol- politics in California. How do you monitor? How do you stay in touch? These are great, great states. Yeah. But holy cow, there's
4: a lot of controversy. Well, think about it. California's the fifth largest economy in the world. Texas is number nine. These are our biggest energy markets in the United States. I've got a leadership franchise in California. I've got another leadership franchise in, in Texas. And the way we look at it is we've got $33 billion that we have line of sight to that we're going to deploy in both markets. And we want to keep making sure that energy is abundant, Jim, and it's cleaner, but just as importantly, it's affordable. So there's a big opportunity in both both markets if you're doing the right things.
3: Well, I've got to tell you, uh, your stock is the, is the best in the group uh, because the leadership skills that you're showing. And by the way, this is the LNG story. He's right here, Jeff Martin, chairman and CEO of Sephora. Hey, Jeff, it was great Thanks. to finally get together it's, with you. It's great you. to be with you again. May have money, we'll be back into the break.
2: Coming up. Kramer sits down with a finance titan who has seen his share of remarkable markets. Larry Fink takes a walk down Wall Street, straight to Mad Money. Next.
6: Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Next give it to you! How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience.
2: Acura wins and
6: that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Next, go, give it to Unlock the energy of the all-electric CDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.
3: today, we got a chance to speak with one of the single most important figures in the asset management industry, Larry Fink, the founder, chairman, and CEO of BlackRock. This is the largest asset manager in the world, running $8.5 trillion worth of assets as of last quarter, including an ocean of ETFs. From his position atop BlackRock, Fink has an unrivaled view of global financial markets. So take a look. Larry, first, I am absolutely thrilled during our first week that you're here. Uh, you have created an institution like no other. Now, many people have heard of BlackRock, and they know it's the biggest. Yeah. But very few people actually know how it happened and what you do that's so different from everyone else. First time we made Money, you've got the floor.
5: Well, Jim, it's great to be on the floor. It's great to be here the first week on the New York Stock Exchange. Thank you. As a former board member of this exchange, you know, it, it, it is a really important part of economic history for this country and the world. So it's, it's, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, there's really no secret sauce. It's, it's building a firm with incredible culture uh, making and, and building a team of people uh, on, on the concept of long-termism. Um, that, you know, over time, I've learned from my parents that investing over a long period of time is the best way To invest and even from the first day we started the company in 1988 and then we went public in 1999 the whole concept was about building long-term wealth it is not something that is freakish or something that we're going to be instantaneous it's about working with clients being a fiduciary making sure we're never in conflict with our clients and I think over time we continued to build the organization uh, and we built it on behalf of our clients this is before we were a public firm And then when we were a public firm building it on behalf of our clients and the beneficiaries were our shareholders. And I really do believe it's it's the people of the firm, it's our commitment to our our clients worldwide. And a recognition, you know, today we manage eight and a half trillion dollars. I
3: hope people realize that's
5: quite countries do not have that. No, but none of it is our money. Not a penny of it is our money. and it's a huge responsibility. We are actually the largest manager of retirement assets in the United States. Uh, we are the largest in Japan. We're the largest in Mexico in retirement assets and number two in Great Britain. It's a, and, and nothing is more long-term than building day after day, week after week, uh, a pool of money to retire in
3: dignity. Well, th- th- this, this is a great point. There have been literally millions of new people in our markets, Larry, and they're in. They may, uh, and I love that, okay? But they may not be doing it right. Long-termism is something that they need to discover and be nurtured. How do we help them understand that as exciting as the markets can be, it may not be the most lucrative way to do it.
5: No, well, first of all, I am thrilled that we're seeing more people in the market. And I may disagree in their methods, and the. And the day trading and all that but let's be clear there's room for all that too but i'm thrilled about what is what we witness in crypto or what we witness in meme stocks okay it's these are things that blackrock doesn't do right. but it, it's an entry level and right. and that entry level then should lead to understanding and studying what you know what are the companies are going to that they're going to grow and grow you know with america with the world with the globalization of the world grow together, that you're going to be able to enjoy that growth and and then have enough wealth to live in dignity
3: during retirement. But you also have done something no other fund managers done, choice. You've always emphasized choice, and this time you've even taken it to another level. And not everybody's using it, I think it's a shame. If you have certain leanings, you can (laughs) tell your people how you lean, and then they vote your way.
5: Correct. I mean, our, our, our desire is to provide choice to every client. It's their decision where to put the money. And we built an organization that at one time was just a bond manager, and now we have the ability to across regions, across products, from cash to private equity. Uh, you know, we are the largest ETF manager for those people who don't know iShares as part of BlackRock. Uh, and, and so, all of that is just providing choice. And I do believe that is what, what and, and what, one other point, we have been democratizing the cost of entry. Yes. I mean, we have lowered our fees by 50% over the last 10 years in, in, in all our ETFs. Um, and so, we're doing this with the idea that we're trying to make the entry level more easier, more successful. And that they're going to be enjoying more of the upswing of the profits it's
3: vital the way they have to start this way this is where they should put their money oh you're absolutely right i don't mind individual stock buying yeah but you want retirement saving and you want choice it's your place now you also have done something that a lot of people may not be aware of you have the finest financial tech division that would be worth, in this crazy market, far more, yes. but instead, and, and you're two in, number two and three in the industry, use it, it's Aladdin, it's and Aladdin. we don't talk about it.
5: So Aladdin is something that we started, when I, when I, when we started BlackRock, we wanted to develop our own proprietary risk system. And 25% of the employees, when we started a startup company with no clients, no revenues, was people in tech. And in 1980, that was kind of unusual. Uh, you know, and to start a fintech, which we weren't smart enough to call it a fintech in 1988. Right, right, right. But uh, we built us up the division now. We are the leading financial technology firm in helping companies, um, uh, financial services companies, banks, insurance companies, asset managers, wealth managers. To government. Use this, government. Twice, uh, right? When, uh, when many, the government many, didn't many, know what to do. Many governments have hired us and right. continue to hire us. But to use it, the systems to help them. Now, the reason why so many Wealth managers are using it today. Why so many big investment firms that you may be, other people may be investing use it because it streamlines their process. So it is a it is a financial engine that allows from the the idea generation to the trade entry to the ticket to the confirmation to the custodial bank, and then it all rolls up into your your overall general account. So you know what it does the most for the, and why people love it. You spend less time operationally and more time investing because it streamlines the process. And today we have revenues of $1.3 billion just in our technology division. Wow. And as you said, it is the leading risk system in financial services.
3: Or else, I mean, it's quite a compliment that the, your competitors find that it's the best one to use. You know what? we we there are clients right okay? right so, right i, I that, have to be careful yes, because your clients who also, are who in also same, are in my same bit we're the same, same business,
5: business. Right. and and but what we've we created something called open Aladdin now where if they want to have a proprietary model just for them it's they have that and no one else will see that so it's an open system that they could create their own Models and systems. It is not this monolithic system that everybody turns left and turns right at the same right. time. It allows that individuality of each company to do what they think is right. And the reason why they're on it, because it really streamlines it. Now, let me tell you, I would tell you Aladdin is BlackRock's secret sauce.
3: Yes, it is. Because, I know that. Okay. I, it's a-
5: but it's a secret sauce because. When you see some of the other financial service companies, they have a spaghetti of systems. Right. We, have, we operate even with $8.5 trillion, one system across all right. products, across and all not, regions.
3: We're not here to talk about why uh, you, should buy, you shouldn't tell people to buy BlackRock. I can. 3% with that technology, 3% yield is fantastic. We're going to be right back with more of Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock. Well, Monday, I told you that from our new purchase here at the New York Stock Exchange, we'd be able to get better access to the most important players in the industry. As you just saw, we got a chance to talk to Larry Fink from BlackRock earlier today. Check out the rest of the interview. All right, Larry, we've talked about the greatness of BlackRock. Right now we're going to talk about the greatness of our country and whether it is threatened by inflation, whether it is threatened by... Uh, Global uh, political tension, or whether this just happens to be in the long-term business as usual for longer-term investors. It's
5: definitely business as usual. I mean, you know, when I started my career, when you started your career, you know, we had in much higher inflation, much more problems in our country than um, we're going to get through this. And and let let's be clear, we are we have we do have really elevated inflation. A lot of it is policy generated our immigration policies I could go on a lot right. of things no, that we but
3: need that's to important I like you go on because it could <clears throat> lead to a recession and people need to know that
5: and, the, and and so much of the inflation is is really related to supply not demand demand is actually unchanged from 2019
3: <laughs> you okay see, right. so
5: that's what people don't understand demand has not changed uh, that much but the reality is we have supply problems because of supply chains and all that Obviously, we have the Russia-Ukraine war that aggravated this even more. But we've had, and, and then we had just just a monstrous sum of monetary policy and fiscal stimulus over the last few years. It's all leading to this really right. elevated inflation. Okay, so but, but, but this let, is all fixable,
3: right? Well, I I, th- I totally agree with you. But let's say you're uh, a person uh, who's worried about retirement uh, and say has ten years that where they want it until they want to retire. Do you tell them, look, you can go buy a three-year? Uh, what do you? What would be? So I'm
5: asked that all the questions. I'm I was asked by a are. really famous person, calls me up, panicking. What should I do? I got to get out. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I said, go on vacation. You know, oh, a, okay. I,
3: it's
5: a, oh, I just, I I, like I just that. said, look, if you really can't stand it, then sell it. Right. I mean, I'm not here to tell you if you if you can't sleep at night, sell. But the reality is we've seen this. The inflation is going to be fixed over time. We're already seeing commodity prices crashing from the high. Really? No one talks about that. And supply chains gotten better. The supply chains and a lot of the industries getting better right now. And 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 so and the Federal Reserve is tightening and that is going to. The the Federal Reserve's tool is to tighten, and through tightening, they limit demand. So is there a risk of a recession? Sure. But we're not in one yet. No, but even if we're in one, it's going to be quite mild. The financials. The financial foundation of America is as strong today as ever. This is not- The
3: boom and the amount of money coming, not at your firm. Your firm still has money coming in, but there is a huge amount of money coming out. There are a lot of people who don't have a lot of faith, and real people are very concerned. For instance, our mutual friend, Ken Langone, said, you know, most people do not realize that the price of chopped meat has gone up a lot in this country.
5: And unfortunately, he's right, and I, I cited that in another commentary I gave last week. I'm more worried about food inflation than energy inflation. It is. And food inflation is, going to, is so destructive in the emerging world and so destructive in, in parts of our communities uh, in the United States. And so we're, we're underappreciating. And the, the, one of the biggest reasons why we have such large food inflation is the cost of fertilizer is up 150 percent. Right, right. OK. Uh, fertilizer is generally created. Uh, <laughs> ammonia is created by uh, natural gas right. and right. ammonia right. is the, is the fertilizer that we use. And so. You know, like BlackRock just announced a, a, a an investment in a company that uh, can create uh, um, ammonia or hi- through hydrogen cheaper than any other new technology. So, what I'm so bullish on, and this is why I love capitalism in America, we we have such unbelievable entrepreneurs. I had dinner last night with five unbelievable entrepreneurs. See, I love this, I and love all of this, this. and f- all five companies are new unicorns in environmental change, creating hydrogen. Oh. And we're seeing even to
3: be to be economic. It's going to
5: be blue hydrogen. Okay. Okay. But but and it, but it's going to create but it's going to create ammonia. So they're building a factory actually in Nebraska right now. So it's going to be right where all the farm belt is. And so the far, but but getting back to food, food prices are so elevated because we don't have adequate fertilizer supply. Why we? Because we don't have. We're, we're, we have not built enough pipeline for all the resources we have in because we have a
3: hundred years worth of natural gas, but we, we have, can't get it to where it has to go correct and there are issues in in the government about siting and pipelines every everybody has a view, which brings me to something that you give people a view on right climate change yes, but you very specifically in your letters have said this is about business climate change is about business which i and frankly about the idea of If you are not careful, it's a great investment risk.
5: There is no question climate risk is going to be uh, uh, we're going to have a lot of investment risk through climate change. And we're already seeing that in the valuations of emerging countries already where where you're having these incredible heat spells. You're seeing that right now. In fact, I could say at BlackRock that we have more employees in uh, in our London office since uh, since COVID. And you know why? We have air conditioning in our offices, and they don't have air conditions at home. I mean, it just, I just... Mean, right, but these, are, our, our, these our be- are all part and Our parcel. behavior changes are happening, and we have to be prepared for that. And the only way we have to be prepared to, to tackle this, we have to aggressively invest in new technologies for right. decarbonization. But at the same time, we have to aggressively work with our energy companies to have adequate supply for security, but more importantly, our allies are all asking us right now, can you provide us with more gas? Can you provide us more of that? And, and so here we are, 100 years of natural gas. We don't have the pipelines to get it. We don't have it. I mean, I'm, I'm working in projects in Alaska right now. We're working on projects everywhere right now to try to make America the exporter. And, that now, and there
3: are a few offer. If someone's interested in what you're saying, you can invest in. In funds that do just this, Correct. so you can feel like you're part of the solution. Exactly. Now you are part, of, not feel. Feel really are. are part. No, of but
5: the look at we. There are. We are. We're going to have to tackle climate change. We're going to have to do it as a world. Right. But tackling climate change doesn't mean the abandonment of hydrocarbons. It means. It means we have to invest in hydrocarbons Jeez. at the same time as we are, as we are, decarbonizing. But the key is, if we're ever going to get the world to that point. We have to provide a cheaper alternative to coal, right. okay? And the world right now is using more coal than ever. And so this is why it's a very complex issue. It's not a one-year or two-year problem. It is more, it's, the problem is beyond any one political cycle, and that's the tension we're seeing now, but, but the do, politics of but this. But do
3: we have enough people who are uh, proficient enough to measure whether someone's doing something uh, a climate worthy, or ESG wise, or we are there too many companies claiming because yes, you have to be. You, I would want you to be the arbiter, but you got a lot to do.
5: I, I don't want to be the arbiter, but <laughs> but let me be clear. So as a young turk bond trader, I was you know I was there at the beginning of the mortgage security market. I know. Okay, and there was a lot of bad behavior back then. That you see that in all new markets. Um, we've always said, and this is how we built BlackRock on data analytics. We are committed in building the best data and analytics so we can show and understand how climate risk is investment risk. So this is one of the big sleeves of Aladdin, Aladdin climate, so we could really understand and help clients understand why we may think this this is why we we have volunteered and asking companies to volunteer to provide more data so we can understand how a company is moving forward and i would tell you almost every company we speak
3: to now are, are is moving forward this is this is a a a sea change no, these are all positives these are Larry, great these are all good pop man. i'm gonna leave it at that because i want i gotta have you back but two <laughs> i need i needed hope many of us need hope Many are too Well, I, you offer hope. substance. Yeah. Substance, substantive. Yeah. I mean, this is not hope based on, like, well, I hope it gets. No,
5: no this is, we have Actual to have data analytics people. to make it true. Sure.
3: Excellent. Well, and, it, anyway. and it's about hope. All right. You're right. I like that. Larry Finks, founder, chairman, CEO of BlackRock. Larry, thank you so much. <laughs> no, we're not doing it. We got a hug. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Coming up. What's in your mind, Cramerica? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next,
3: it is time to turn the lightning round. What's one of the same? This hotel, blah blah blah. You plan to sell, and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad, Time the lightning round. let over. It's over. It's over. It's over. Hazan in Georgia. Hasa. Hey, Mr. you do. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, what are your thoughts on thesis Holdings ticket symbol LN? Man, this stock has been a rocket ship, but it's now a little overvalued. I know a report soon that Instrument Group has had a very hard time. I say that you gotta. Now we're going to Corey in South Carolina. Corey! Hello. Um, I was just wanted to say thank you for teaching my brother and I how to invest. We enjoy it. Thank and you. I wanted to say thank you. Uh, thank you to Avery for reaching out to me twice for this call. My stock is American International Group, AIG. Okay. Uh, when it comes to insurance, there's only one insurer that I really like, and that is the stock of Chubb bye, CB. Bye, bye. That's the one I would bank with. I use, and I say that stock could go right back to where it was. Uh, let's go to Smitty. Smitty in North Carolina. Smitty. Jimmy, chill. Chill's I'm a huge fan, my friend. Thank you. I have... A two-part question uh, regarding uh, canopy growth. Do you think, in your opinion, that um, Constellation would basically drop drop these guys and, and walk away with uh, a four billion dollar law? No, 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 they would not do that. You see, they actually believe, as Bill Newland said on the show, is the CEO of, of uh, he's the CEO of Constellation. He said, Look, one day it's gonna happen. One day we'll have nationalized canopy. Can't. Uh, net- cannabis will be great once we nationalize cannabis. I don't know what's going to happen in my lifetime. That's the problem. So it'll stick in the mud. Some not everybody's that thrilled about it. Okay, now let's go to a Jeff in a Washington. Jeff,
4: Jim, your yeah. encouragement's really put me back in the saddle. Thank you.
3: Yes. Yes. But okay. I'm got a question. Is is Cord Energy a bull to be lassoed or a bear to let go? No, no, look, we have, you know, from the club, we've got some specific energy stocks that we really like. And I'm keying on Devin. I think DVN is a better bet than yours. I'm sorry, but that's plain and simple. How about we go to Lee in California? Lee! Booyah, Jimmy, from Monterey, Booyah. California. All right. How about that new What's set? Up? That really looks good.
5: I got a question for you on Starwood Capital. They've paid the dividend.
4: Look, I'm still. I I like Barry
3: when the stock. Remember when the stock fell into the teens and Barry came on and said, "Don't worry about it. We're going to deliver." Well, I never forgot that. So I am a believer that that man is a man of his word. Let's go to Deacon in my home state of Pennsylvania. Deacon. Yes, Jim. Deacon. I've been uh, Jimmy Chill here. What's up? Since day one. What do you think about selling? I am not a fan of any of the chemicals here with the possible exception of maybe Dow, if only just because they've got the yield and I like fiddling, so I'm going to take a hard pass on that. How about Stuart in New York? Stewart. Hello? Uh-oh. Go ahead, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. Natural gas is on fire. Equ- Equitrans, what do you think? Equitrans, bye-bye, bye And now, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the lightning round!
2: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Kramer is retiring. A tired trading strategy. End the obsession and get back to the facts next.
3: It's time to retire the obsession with Netflix. Unsubscribe, if you will. After reading that quarterly letter and listening to the conference call last night, what can I even say? Sure, they did better than feared, but the absolute number was horrific. We lost a million subscribers, for heaven's sake. So what if we we thought it'd be two million? It doesn't matter. As former New York Giants coach and great Bill Parcells taught us, there are no medals for trying. And all Netflix did was try. But what drives me nuts is that Wall Street still acts like Netflix is significant. Disney saw its stock work today on the Netflix pin action, which is beyond stupid. First, Netflix brought down Disney when it disappointed the last time reported. Now it rallies when Netflix does better than feared. These two stocks should not be trading together just because Disney has some streaming service. Disney's down 100 points from its early 2021 highs. It's in part because its balance sheet is uglier than it used to be after stupidly shelling out $71 billion for the bulk of Fox's assets. Hey, maybe the Fox deal was a bad idea. I mean, it probably overpaid substantially, but that's something the current CEO Bob Chapek inherited from the previous regime. Under Chapek's leadership, Disney's theme parks have become total juggernauts. They make fortunes for the company, yet nobody even seems to care. I want you to ask yourself, how much does Netflix make from its theme parks? Yeah, exactly. More importantly, as we told Investing Club members today, Disney has an amazing catalog of franchises that it's only just begun to tap. They've got the iconic Star Wars series and its many spinoffs. They've got all the, Mar- the Marvel properties, which are almost guaranteed to make big money, whether the movies are even any good or not. Uh, take this month On Friday, Netflix is launching a new spy movie called The Gray Man. I know i got to see it. But, uh, uh, but other people better watch it, too, because it costs 200 million bucks. That's really going out on a limb. But Disney just released Thor, Love and Thunder, and it made $143 million its first weekend. It's now grossed more than $500 million worldwide. There were certainly high production costs, but these Marvel sequels are basically annuities. Netflix has almost no annuities. Thor, Love and, I don't know, I mean, Thor, I there's probably a lot of ways to spin the Thor thing. Finally, Disney does have Disney Plus, their streaming service, which is doing just fine. Maybe not worth as much as we thought when streaming was on fire a year ago, but it is one of the most successful platforms. It's got a little room for growth. At the same time, they just raised the price of ESPN Plus to make it more enticing for customers to get the entire bundle. That's a real smart move. Hey, by the way, you need it when you start if you do gamble on football. Netflix, on the other hand, feels like it could be built from scratch by anyone with enough money. We know that because Apple just did so with Apple Plus. But there's no way to build Disney from scratch, is there? And it would even take decades to try to attempt. In short, Netflix simply isn't as important as it used to be. Obsessing over its performance is a waste of time. I bet the paycheck on Chapec. By the way, I pretty much feel the same way about Tesla. Sure, I reported another good quarter, remarkable given the lockdowns in China. But I'm actually much more interested in buying Ford or General Motors. Unlike Tesla, Ford's got, a more th- got more than 3% yield, plethora of new models that are pretty much sold out, including electrics. Ford has its own annuity stream, the F-150 pickup truck, and it's got an unassailable franchise. When is how it practically impossible to get a Mustang Mach-E? No, Ford doesn't have the pizzazz of Tesla. But you know what? Maybe that's a good thing. Pizzazz is how your CEO gets himself in a position where he might be forced to sell a massive chunk of Tesla stock in order to buy Twitter, which is what I see happening to Elon Musk. So let's end the obsessions. Rather than past growth, this is a market that cares about value and future success. That's what you need to be on the lookout for. Not the biggest winners of the last decade, the next winners of the next decade. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you